Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. On the app, on your smart speaker, talk radio and talk TV. Good evening, I'm Piers Morgan, uncensored and live for the first time. Tonight, three heavyweight champions in their fields. Sharon Osbourne, the queen of rock. Tucker Carlson, the king of US talk. And the world heavyweight boxing champion, the gypsy king, Tyson Fury, is here live too, fresh from his dramatic knockout win at Wembley. Good evening, champ. How are you? Good evening, Pierce. I'm ready to go toe-to-toe and to be uncensored. That's, that's the champ I know and love. We'll be back with Tyson a bit later, but first, my brain dump. Nursing care homes are supposed to be a sanctuary to our most cherished and elderly loved ones so they can live out their lives in comfort, safety and dignity. At the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, the leaders responsible for protecting that comfort, safety and dignity repeatedly told us things like this. Right from the start, we've tried to throw a protective ring around our care homes. We'll keep working to strengthen the protective ring that we've cast around all our care homes. Well, we absolutely did uh, throw a protective ring around social care. That was Britain's Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, at the time, but that was a lie. There was no protective ring. In fact, there was a complete opposite, a deadly decision-making fiasco that removed protection from nursing homes and turned them into human slaughterhouses. In a monumentally stupid policy, tens of thousands of elderly patients were sent from hospitals back to their homes without being tested to see if they had the killer virus that wrought its worst damage on the elderly. COVID spread through those nursing homes like wildfire, causing countless more deaths than should have ever been allowed to happen. The same thing happened in New York, where the shamed former governor Andrew Cuomo, once lauded as a cool-headed hero of the pandemic, not only did this too, but then lied about the number of people who died. In the UK, up to 30,000 people are feared to have died in nursing homes, partly because of this negligence. They weren't even asked to isolate when they got back to those homes from hospitals having not been tested. Just think about that. No testing, no isolation. And this wasn't a tragic accident. This was deliberate government policy. Now the UK's High Court has today ruled that the policy broke the law. So Boris Johnson's government, already reeling from the Partygate scandal, which saw him personally fined, 
is facing further charges of behaving like common criminals during the crisis. Disgraced former Health Secretary Matt Hancock, who resigned from breaking lockdown rules himself that he'd helped to make, said ministers have been absolved. They haven't. They got it horribly, tragically wrong. And they can't say they weren't warned by people at the time. When the Health Secretary and Prime Minister keep claiming that they put a protective ring around our care homes, that is just a complete lie, isn't it? Because if they had, you wouldn't have 30,000 people residents dying and you wouldn't have 469 social care workers dying. That's not a protective ring. We have really stepped up uh, to support care homes, support local authorities and support... They didn't step up. And it's all a lie, as has now been proven in the High Court. At the time, Boris Johnson tried to even blame nursing home staff for not following protocols. But they did follow protocols. It was the protocols laid down by the government that cost an untold number of lives, including many of the selfless and heroic staff that Boris Johnson tried to blame. Today, Johnson did what he always does. He said it wasn't his fault. Is the thing that we didn't know in particular, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, was uh, that COVID could be transmitted asymptomatically yes. in, in the way that it was. And, uh, and that was something that I, that I wish we had known more about uh, at the time. He didn't know. That's what he always says, isn't it? Didn't know about the parties, didn't know about asymptomatic transmission. But is that true, Prime Minister? It's not, is it? Because your own chief scientific advisor, speaking in March 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, said this. It looks quite likely that there is, uh, is some degree of asymptomatic transmission. There's definitely quite a lot of transmission very early in the disease when there are very mild symptoms. That's the government's chief scientific advisor in March 2020. So you knew Boris Johnson. You knew. Once again, he's refusing to face up to his own mistakes. In this case, they're horrifying consequences. He and his government didn't just fail our elderly. They killed them. Their terrible policy let COVID rip through nursing homes and that led to thousands of unnecessary deaths. There will be many terrible legacies from this pandemic. But this one may be the most shameful and avoidable. And from incompetence in government to indecency, the deputy leader of the British Opposition Party has been smeared in a nasty sexist anonymous newspaper briefing, suggesting she deliberately crosses and uncrosses her legs to distract Boris Johnson in the House of Commons. An unnamed Conservative MP accused Angela Rayner of a ploy to put the Prime Minister off his stride, evoking the famous scene involving Sharon Stone in the movie Basic Instinct. The MP told the man on Sunday she knows she can't compete with Boris's Oxford Union debating training, but she has other skills which he lacks. For God's sake, well, first of all, you don't need to flash a pair of hot legs to get one over Boris Johnson in Parliament. Given how poorly he's performing at the moment, a barely functioning brain will suffice. Secondly, Angela Rayner is a very smart, very feisty cookie who deserves a lot better than this pathetic, misogynistic nonsense, as do all female politicians. But it's what happened next that causes me even more concern. Because the Speaker of the House of Commons, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, summons the editor of the Mail on Sunday to discuss the story because he found it offensive. An absurd command which the newspaper rightly rejected. It's not the paper that's at fault here. It's the repellent MP who made the slur in the first place. Speaker Hoyle should get back in his box, focus on finding out who this malevolent miscreant MP was, and then discipline him for abusing parliamentary standards of conduct. He should leave the free press to do their jobs 
without such unacceptable political interference, even if it occasionally offends him. In fact, now I think about it, particularly if it occasionally offends him. Police have released sensational footage of the events before, during, after the appalling shooting of a young female cinematographer on a low-budget western in the Santa Fe desert. The death of Helena Hutchins on the set of Joel D'Souza's Rust is one of the most appalling tragedies in Hollywood history. I don't doubt for a moment it was an accident. Nobody deliberately killed her. But she died, leaving a grief-stricken husband and young child. And the person who was holding the gun that killed her was the movie star Alec Baldwin. In the new footage, Baldwin can be seen pointing the gun around on set and then later reacting with horror when he's told that Hutchins has died. I do have some very unfortunate news to tell you. What? Um, she didn't make it. I'm sure he felt terrible. We all would in that position. But if you've been following his story for the past six months, as I have, you might be forgiven for thinking Alec Baldwin was the real victim here. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of the people who sent me such kind words and, uh, you know, best wishes and strength and hope and prayers and so forth and thoughts and lots of encouragement. Oh, good for you. I'm glad you're being encouraged. That's like a humble brag Oscar acceptance speech, isn't it? Baldwin's self-pity PR tool has been a deeply unedifying self-centred and pretty ghastly attempt to save his career. He insists this tragedy had nothing to do with him, that he was in no way responsible for that gun firing and killing Helena Hutchins. But for all his bluster, the story is far from over. And frankly, the idea that it's got nothing to do with Baldwin is patently absurd. He held the gun that fired the bullet that killed this young woman. The Hollywood Actors' Union is pretty clear about this. Actors should always check guns to ensure they don't have real bullets. And in this case, they could have used a fake rubber gun on the set of Rust. That's always the safest option. Police have now revealed text messages sent by Rust prop master Sarah Zachary, which suggest it was Baldwin himself who always wanted to take risks. Alec never liked anything fake like guns and even the rubber knife, she said. He always wanted the real knife. He always wanted his real gun. Baldwin's failure to take any personal responsibility for this horrific incident is shameful. He has a lot of questions left to answer. And I suggest the only talking he now does is not on Instagram, but to the police. Well, staying with Tinseltown's most terrible, it's the world's most gruesome twosome in the bile of the century. Those supreme narcissists, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, all of each other in court again, trading vicious, ugly claim and counterclaim over who was more abusive to the other one. And with a war raging, a pandemic still going, and the inflation soaring, the spectacle of this pair of deluded, self-obsessed thespians once again acting up their marriage drama for public delectation makes me vomit. But there is one positive thing out of all this that did catch my eye. Crowds of Depp's fans have gathered outside court to support the embattled star. They're apparently called the Deppsters. And one of them has brought along two emotional support alpacas. She told reporters she hoped it would calm Johnny down and brighten his day. Now, it's not clear if Depp even knows they're there, these alpacas, but I did a bit of research and I said to my team, you know, we should get into this story. And you know what? They came good because I turned up today and I discovered that after my stressful week launching Piers Morgan Uncensored, when I'm feeling tense and need to calm and just relax and chill, I've got my own alpacas. Not from the Deppsters, but from... Jess, who's brought them for me. Jess, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Introduce me. This is Margarita. 
This is Margarita, and the uh, one that's sitting down is Tess. And I'm told Margarita's a bit more friendly, is that right? Yeah, she's the friendly one. Can I, can I stroke? stroke on the back of the neck. Hi, hi Margarita. <laughs> I do love a nice Margarita, I have to say. Um, and, and they can bring me calm and Hopefully. soothe my, my nerves, my tension. Yeah, so just being around alpacas, I think, gives you something to focus on. So it sort of takes you away mentally from whatever you're feeling in your head. Um, I, can, I can actually start, I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> and they can actually encourage leadership skills, I yeah, hear, right? I think so, because they sort of, well, you have to lead them around a field one way or another. Yeah. So you have to sort of take charge, otherwise they'll take you for a while. So week. they can cure my anxiety, <laughs> my stress, my tension. They can teach me how to lead a group of people. Yeah. They sound perfect for Piers Morgan Uncensored. Are they disagreeable, bad-tempered? Um, if they don't get no, enough sleep? they're just stubborn. Uh, <laughs> the one is on the floor. <laughs> stubborn. This sounds even more perfect. I love their signs. <laughs> Here's Morgan Uncensored. And I can quite see now, I've been in the presence of these wonderful animals, why Johnny Depp may be, may be getting some comfort from just being around alpacas. What wonderful animals they are. <laughs> We're talking of animals, wild animals, crazy, crazy people. Sharon Osborne's here next. She paid a heavy price for supporting me after my exit from Good Morning Britain. But my TV superstar friend is back and she's going to tell me why it's time to cancel, cancel culture. And I am going to uncancel her officially. See you after break. I never thought in my wildest dreams that my career after 50 years would have ended that way. introduce cancelled corner i'll regularly invite someone onto my show who's been silenced or become a victim of cancelled culture and i will formally uncancel them and restore them back to a civilized democratic society tonight my guest is sharon osborne now her career suddenly ended because she had the audacity to defend my right to have an opinion over the markle debacle on her u.s panel show the talk here's what happened I have felt that Pierce was racist in his stance against Meghan Markle. And the last time he was on this show, I said as much. If he doesn't, Pierce doesn't like someone and they happen to be black, mm -hmm. does that make him a racist? No. No. That's a no. No. Right. So why can't it be he just doesn't like her? Why does it have to be racist? Well, Sharon's here with me now. Sharon, I want to start with this tweet, because it was a tweet that really ignited the firestorm. You just said this as this Markle debacle went down in the UK. You tweeted this. Piers Morgan, I'm with you. I stand by you. People forget that you're paid for your opinion and that you're just speaking your truth. What's incredible about that is you don't actually agree with my opinion. I mean, you might well have done, but you didn't say, I agree with what he's saying. You just said he's entitled to an opinion. And for that, you end up losing your job. Yeah, because my, my whole point was is that you are a journalist and a celebrity. So, therefore, you're paid to give your opinion. Mm. The same as I was paid mm. to give my opinion. That's why we're there. And, and freedom of speech. When it was all going down on the talk at mm -hmm. CBS... Did you imagine in your wildest nightmare that within days you would have been fired from a show you've been on for 10 years? I was actually in my 11th year and the situation I never thought 
in my wildest dreams that my career after 50 years would have ended that way. Mm. I mean, what, did, did I want my legacy to be I was fired because I was accused of being a racist? What was so disingenuous was their initial attack from Cheryl Underwood, your co-presenter, who I know, I've been on the talk many times sure. with you and with Cheryl, always very friendly, but that day the mood changed and it looked like she was deliberately coming for you for, in her eyes, endorsing a racist, me. And when you said, well, what's he said that's racist? She couldn't tell you. And eventually she explained, my refusal to believe Meghan Markle basically made me a racist. Oh, yes, that was the whole, that was the whole setup. That you were a racist because you had an opinion on somebody that was of mixed race. I've never known you have a racist bone in your body. I would like to think you've never felt that in me. Never. We are not racist people. No. We never judge people because of their skin colour. I've certainly never written anything about Meghan Markle because of her mixed no. race Skin colour, religion, you and I could give... Mm. A, you know, that, that's not the way we run our lives. When you got fired, you get turfed out by the cancel culture mob. Twitter is ablaze. They're joyful, they're gleeful, they've got rid of you, they've, they've got you out of that job, they've had you fired mm -hmm. for having an opinion. What was going through your mind when, when the first few days after that? It was... Um, listen, I don't scare easily, you know that, mm. but some of the comments that were coming through on my social media were so horrific about cutting my throat, my husband's, even the dog's. They wanted to kill my dogs. And then they started on Aussie, on his site, and then my kids. And I just thought, this, this is just insanity. See, I had the same thing. I went back to CBS and I said, you not only can I not earn a living, but now I have to have 24-hour security because of you. And they go like, so what? So your lives were being put under threat by these yes. menacing people on social media, and you don't know who's real and who's not. Also, your career just basically ended. I mean, no-one would touch you. You no. were toxic. You were driven out in a race storm. Therefore, you were untouchable. It, it was, I mean, literally untouchable. It was from... You know, everyday stuff comes in where you do this, that, and, you know, charity stuff and everything. The phone never rang. That was it. You are untouchable. So when people say cancel culture doesn't exist, you live through it. And you live through it because of me. And I thought what happened to me was bad enough. What happened to you, to me, was utterly shameful. But cancel culture is real, isn't it? You, you become this person that no-one will want to employ because suddenly you're that person. Oh, absolutely. You are untouchable. You are an untouchable. And what makes me so mad is I'm in a blessed situation that no matter whatever happens to my career, my husband will always take care of me. But what happens to a person that, you know, say I didn't have a husband and I had kids to bring up, right? Yeah. What happens to people like that that are cancelled or fired because they've said, used the wrong term or something's taken out of context and they're fired? To the average person, what happens to that person? Have you ever spoken again to Cheryl Underwood, who was your co-presenter on...? I um, sent her um, three texts of apologies and she never got back. And then she went on to um, 
national TV and said that I hadn't apologised. Mm. So what I did was I actually, on my social media, printed the text. Mm. And then she said, well, that's not an apology because uh, it wasn't... I wanted a, in a phone call, and, and sorry, she never called and, me. And, and let me just hold one moment. What are you apologising for? I thought you had nothing to apologise for. What I'm also interested in is what happened to you later, because... Your life, I mean, it, it didn't completely fall apart because you had your family, but it was incredibly tough for you. It was tough for me and it did affect me um, mentally. I, I, it honestly did because after everything that I'd felt, all my dreams I had achieved, everything that I'd wanted to mm. do I had achieved, and did I want my legacy for my family to be, oh, well, your nana was on television, but everybody said she was racist, so mm. she never went on television again. And that kind of et me up. What did that do to you? It et me up. I couldn't... I must have cried for three months. Really? Never stopped crying. And my friends... Um, Sarah Gilbert, who used to... You know Sarah. Yeah, I know from the talk. Right. She, she was the one that came up with the idea for the show and was on it. And she said, you need help. I mean, you've got to go somewhere. And she recommended somewhere. And then I was doing therapy and ketamine treatment. Did you get suicidal at any stage? Not suicidal because I didn't want to give CBS the satisfaction. I'm so glad that we're able to sit here now talking about this and we're going to come to why you're here and what you're going to be doing next in a moment. You're going to be doing what you do best, talking about news and current affairs and stuff in the, in the papers and so on. I've got to ask you about the Trump interview. Mm. He's clearly hinting in my interview that he may run again. Mm -hmm. He's still popular in America. Very popular. And with Joe Biden being such a disaster at the moment, you could see a situation where Trump gets re-elected. Would that be a good thing, do you think, for America? No, I don't think it would be a good thing. And the thing that frightens me is um, there is nobody, nobody that you could think of that would make a great president. Mm. So the competition is non-existent. We're both monarchists. We love yes. the royal family. How damaging is this drip, drip, drip behaviour of Meghan and Harry running a kind of rival royal family without any of the need for the duty mm -hmm. that goes with that, but with all the money that comes their way from fleecing the royal title. It's just tragic that you can go and try and ru ruin a monarchy and, you know, what we all grew up with loving, adoring, respecting, and then every time you open your mouth, it's about your family. Mm. And the other thing I think that nobody's ever said is their children, their mm. beautiful children, have no family. Mm. They don't speak to Meghan's family. Yeah. Yeah. They don't speak to the royal family. These children are going to grow their up. Their grandfather. No grandparents. Their grandfather, Thomas, lives 70 miles away. Right. Well, there's, cab ride. there's no mm. grandfather. There are no aunts. There's no family. So just think of mm. your children when, they, when mm. you're talking about cousins and aunts I and I don't uncles. think they think about anything but themselves and, and the bottom line. I'm about to do something special. Go Sharon. on. I'm about to formally uncancel you. Because you're back now at Talk TV. Thanks The to same you. network with me. Well, I was delighted to help be part of getting you back here. How important is it to you to be back on television doing what you do best on a show called The Talk? It's very important to me. It's something that I love. Mm. And I just, again, you know, didn't want it to end my career in such an ugly way.
And how is Ozzy? My great man is just one of my favourite people in the world. Been through the health wars a bit. How's he doing? He's doing okay. He is. He sends you his love mm. and he's really looking forward. He's got one more operation left to, to do mm. and then he, he's dying to come back home. Well, send him my very best and I'm now going to have the great honour, Sharon on. Osborne, of officially uncancelling you to the world and restoring you to your rightful place as the Queen of the Talk. Let it roll. Oh, we need confetti. And we need some music to celebrate. What about this? It's Ozzy. It's Changes. The song is very appropriate. It couldn't be better, right? Yeah. It's time for change. Welcome back. Thank you, my darling. Lovely to Thank see you. you. Sharon Osborne. Uncancelled. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great to see Sharon smiling again. Well, Uncensored Next is one of America's most influential cable news hosts. I'll be speaking live to Fox News' Tucker Cuss. That's next. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He's been called the most powerful conservative voice in America, watched by millions every night. And like me, he's a sworn enemy of censorship and a staunch defender of free speech. And Tucker Carlson, I'm glad to say, joins me now. Tucker, I've been on your show many times. Finally, I get you to come on as a guest on my show. I am honoured. Thank you. Well, I ran to the camera. I am so <laughs> glad to see you doing this. And I was really, really happy to see the Sharon Osbourne interview, which I just listened to through my earpiece. Um, thank you for, for talking to her. I'm, I'm glad she's back. Of all the people I have seen censored and bounced out of their jobs over the past year, she, it happened to her with less justification than I've ever seen. I, I, I never even understood what her crime was. Well, her crime, it turned out, was that she simply endorsed my right 
to have an opinion. So when I had to leave the morning show over here in the UK because I didn't believe Meghan Markle, who turned out to be saying a lot of things that weren't true, uh, when I was kicked out of that job, Sharon went on Twitter and said I was entitled to my opinion. And for that, she was accused of supporting a racist because I must be racist because I didn't believe Meghan Markle had to do with her skin colour, apparently. Uh, and Sharon was then accused of being a sort of racist sympathiser. Uh, so the whole thing, I thought, perfectly exemplified the hysteria of this cancel culture and how disingenuous the whole thing is. But also, in terms of what happened to Sharon, how unbelievably destructive it can be if you're in the firing line of this stuff. You know, her life was really pretty well ruined for a year. Yes. So you're not allowed to express skepticism about the public statements of one of the most powerful people in the world, and Sharon Osbourne is not allowed to affirm your right to express that skepticism, and both of you get fired for it. So that's commentary on the society that allows that to happen. I mean, that's the definition of tyranny of societal collapse. Like, that's insane. That's the kind of thing that if it happened in North Korea, we'd be like, well, that's, you know, that's the society we need to oppose. And this is happening in two of the freest societies in the world. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're being hysterical when we say this is the main threat that all of us face. And what is extraordinary to me is they, they profess to be liberals, these sort of ultra-woke cancel culture mob people. Uh, but there's nothing liberal about them. I mean, liberalism, to me, means that you... You know, you believe in, in democracy, you believe in free speech, you believe in the fair exchange of views, you tolerate yes. other people's opinions. They don't do any of those things. They behave it, ironically, they behave like the very fascists they claim to hate most. Well, of course. And I, I always think of myself as a liberal. I believe fully and completely in free speech, in freedom of conscience. I am horrified by violence, even state-sponsored violence. Um, I even like organic peanut butter. <laughs> so to have these people telling me that we should throw anyone who disagrees with them out of work or into prison, have them call themselves liberal, talk about a perversion of the word. Mm. It's preposterous. Now, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice. I interviewed President uh, Trump, uh, ex-President Trump, I guess. Um, I want to play you a clip of what he said when I asked him the big question everyone's sort of toying with. Is he going to run again? Listen to what he said. So here's the big question for you which everybody wants to know. The latest poll says if the 2024 election was held tomorrow, you would beat Joe Biden by six points and Kamala Harris by 11 points. In other words, you would be re-elected president of the United States. So are you going to run again? Well, you know, for reasons of campaign finance and everything, I'm not allowed to say, but let me just say this. I think a lot of people are going to be very happy. So you are going to I love our country. Our country is going to hell. I think a lot of people are going to be very happy. So you're going to run? I'm not going to say that, but I think people are going to be happy. You might even be happy. What did you make of that, Tucker? Do you think he's going to run again? And I suppose I've got to ask you, would you like him to run again? Is it healthy for America, for the Republican Party? How do you see the way things are shaping up here? What's healthy is for America or any country, Great Britain, to be able to choose its own leaders when the public gets to decide by majority vote. So I'm just for democracy, period. I would say in the case of Trump, I, I think he does love America. I think he sincerely believes the election was stolen from him. I don't think he's just saying that. He really thinks that, whether you agree with him or not. Whether you think he should be allowed to say that or not, he really does believe that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he would like to be vindicated in that belief, and maybe running again would be one way to do it. I personally, and he hasn't said this to me, and I'm not an advisor to Trump, hardly, but I, I actually don't think he wants to be president again. That's my view. You know, he's got a happy life. Um, 
he affects, you know, American politics a lot in his endorsements. And I think all things being equal, he'd rather do that. And there are other people who would like to run. And, you know, I, I personally don't think he's going to run again. I'm basing that on no evidence whatsoever, just a gut feeling. Um, and I'm, I'm often wrong. I could be wrong again, but that's, that's my view now. You talk about other people who may be considering running. You, yesterday, got put in the frame because you apparently going to go and speak in Iowa or was a sign that potentially someone may be thinking of a career outside cable news. You are uniquely popular now with the conservative base. Let me ask you directly, Tucker Carlson, do you have a plan to run for president? Our show is popular for the moment. I've had a lot of shows like you have. Sometimes they're popular, sometimes they're not. <laughs> you know, I've been fired for low ratings, so I've seen both sides of that. Um, and But that doesn't mean, you know, I've never been in politics. I've never been elected, you know, room mother. Um, I'm not sure I have political skills. I will give a speech to anybody anytime. I'm really interested in what the Republican Party becomes because it is the, the alternative to what we're seeing now, the neoliberalism of Joe Biden, which I don't think works and I don't think is popular. And so I'm interested in seeing the people who want to replace him. And some of them seem legitimate. Others seem, you know, loathsome, to be totally honest. So, you know, I, I, that's the reason I'm going is I, I want to see these people and I want to talk to them and I want to talk about them. One of the fascinating stories in the news at the moment, I know is particularly relevant to you because you bounced back on Twitter yesterday with the words, we're back, uh, which was very exciting for those of us who like your Twitter feed. But Elon Musk and, you know, in my view, this extraordinary sort of maverick billionaire genius uh, rampaging around now, doing all this wildly exciting stuff. He is a big supporter of free speech and what he believes it really means. What do you think of Elon Musk taking over Twitter? And in particular, when I put it to Trump, for example, that I felt he was on a better, a better hill to fight on about a, a stolen election was what happened with the New York Post story about Hunter Biden and the laptop, which was suppressed by big tech media, suppressed by mainstream media, and could have swung the election. We just, we'll never know now. But what do you think about him taking over Twitter and his absolute staunch defence of free speech? This must be a good thing, right? Well, I think it's a deal killer for the people in charge. I mean, why has this elicited the levels of hysteria that it has? I mean, the Biden administration immediately announced a federal investigation into Musk's other businesses. So it tells you they'll destroy him before they allow this. Who will win? I don't know. But they understand that social media are central to their rule. Like, people who are legitimately running things don't need to lie or prevent, prevent you from expressing your opinion. They're, they're comfortable with free speech. But people who aren't have to censor you or they lose control. So they see this as an existential argument. As for Musk, I mean, if he takes over Twitter and opens it up to true free speech where American citizens can say what they think about their country, he will be a hero, a historic hero. It's kind of pathetic, however, that we need him. Yeah. That we need some billionaire that we're waiting for dad to come back and rescue us. We have a political system that's based on the Bill of Rights. And the first line in that, the First Amendment, is freedom of speech. And our political system can't seem to guarantee that. So we are left waiting for the world's richest man to restore to us what we were born with, which is our right to give our opinion. And it, there's something very depressing about that, but I'm still thrilled that Musk is doing it. It's an extraordinary state of affairs. Uh, Tucker, I could talk to you for hours. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining me in my launch week. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, And it's great to be working with you. I'm s well, I'm just grateful that you're back. Uh, Well-deserved. One, one, one of the big talents in television. So thank you for having me. Tucker, really appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed.
Well, who says men can't multitask? This is the impressive moment that new father Jacob Kingsley caught a baseball in one hand while bottle-feeding his infant with the other at a game between the Cincinnati Reds and San Diego Padres. Quite extraordinary catch. Jacob's wife, Jordan, said she'd been telling her husband to watch for fly balls throughout the game, afraid that their son, Shepard, might get hit. But clearly nothing to worry about with old Super Dad. My question really, though, is why would you take such a tiny baby to a game of baseball? Because uh, if that ball had hit the baby on the head, he wouldn't be quite such a hero. Anyway, he didn't, and that's the good news. I'm says of next, the gloves are off, and I'm pulling no punches for my next world exclusive in his first TV interview since his stunning victory to retain his heavyweight title. He's going to be joined by the Gypsy King himself, Tyson Fury. That's live next. He's the Gypsy King and heavyweight champion of the world. Tyson Fury joins me now exclusively for his first TV interview since that knockout victory on Saturday against Dillian White at Wembley. A stunning victory, an amazing uppercut knockout. And I'm delighted to say Tyson Fury joins me live from his home in Morecambe in Lancashire. Welcome to you, champ. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Pierce. Congratulations on being back on TV. They didn't cancel you for long, did they? He's back. He's back, baby! You know what, Tyson? It reminds me of the old Rocky Balboa quote. It's not how many times you get hit down, it's how many times you get back on your feet and keep going forward, right? 100%. You've got to keep moving forward in a positive manner and never let anybody, anybody tell you you can't do something because there's so many dream crushers out there and naysayers and they all want you to see you on the floor. But you've got to keep getting back up and disappointing them, Pierce. And that's when, what you keep doing. When you heard Tyson, Sharon Osbourne, telling her story, could you believe, really, what happened to her? What do you make of this cancel culture where for having an opinion... Or even saying someone's yeah. allowed an opinion, you get your life yeah. ruined and you get fired. <laughs> I think the world has gone mad, uh, Pierce. You mm. can't. There's only a freedom of speech until it upsets somebody, and then it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and like you said in the interview, this is what you guys get paid to do: have your opinion. So if your opinion's no good, then what's the point? You know, it's it's one of them. It's uh, the world's gone crazy, and it's a shame that people like yourself and like Sharon and even me. Mm. We can't say stuff. We're going to offend this person, that person. You've got to watch your P's and Q's for everything. Because even wearing this blue T-shirt, I'm offending somebody. Yeah. There'll be a complaint for sure. I was about to say, I find so, it really offensive that you're wearing it, a blue T-shirt. That's mainly because I'm an Arsenal fan. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and all my United fans will find it offensive too. <laughs> Tyson, let me talk to you quickly about uh, the well, fight. You can't I'll, please I'll... everybody, Pierce. I don't want to please everybody. I don't know about you. I don't want to please everybody. I just want to have my honest opinions, let other people have theirs, have a good argument and go and have a beer. What happened to that? That used to be how our democracy and society worked. Well, things change. We're now in 2022 and everything you say gets uh, taken personal and um, everyone wants to cancel you out, you know, for everything you say. So you just got to watch what you're saying, Pierce. I Shut won't... your mouth. And that's not very good when you're a, um, 
<laughs> you know what? I'm not going to watch what I say, Tyson, because I don't think you do either, really. I think that both of us, I what think, fun. have the self-confidence to say, you know what, stuff this nonsense. Uh, you know, stuff the fun police, as Shane Warne, my great friend, used to say. Because uh, I think it's just so... It, what it does, it removes all the fun out of life. It, be, it makes life a very joyless kind of experience, doesn't it? It does. When you can't, can't speak the truth and you think what you think, it's, um, it's, it's become crazy. I don't know what's going on in the world. Everybody's upset for something. And no matter what you say, can't please everybody. But for me, the only person I'm interested in pleasing is my wife, and I'm struggling with that most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Now, there was an interesting moment, Tyson, at the end of your fight when you claimed you are going to retire. Everybody was groaning. Nobody wanted to hear that. And your wife looked to me like she was saying, no, he's not. Something like that. She certainly gave an indication that she doesn't think you're ready to retire yet. Why would you retire? You walked out in front of nearly 100,000 people at Wembley going crazy. You're at the peak of your powers. You knock out this guy with a ruthless uppercut. There are still one or two massive fights left for you. The winner of the Joshua Uzik fight, obviously, would be a huge one. I don't think you're ready to retire, Tyson Fury. Give me the scoop. Are you going to now tell me right now, Piers uh -huh. Morgan, uncensored, that actually you've got more in you? Well, let me tell you something. Piers Morgan, uncensored. This is the truth, the gospel truth, nothing but the truth. I'm done. You know, every good dog has its day. And like the great Roman leader said, there'll always be somebody else to fight. When is enough enough? I'm happy, I'm healthy, I've still got my brains, I can still talk, I've got a beautiful wife, I've got six kids, I've got obtained belts, I've got plenty of money, success, fame, glory. What, what more am I doing it for? You know, boxing's a very dangerous sport. You can be taken out with one punch, as we've seen on Saturday night. And, you know, it only takes one unlucky blow, one unlucky blow, and you may not get up off that canvas. I'm quitting while I'm ahead. I'm undefeated, only the second man in history to retire undefeated heavyweight champion. I'm very, very happy. I'm very contented in the heart with what I've done, what I've achieved. It's not about money for me, Pierce. You know, a lot of people in this world, everything's about money and more money and more money. I've got enough money. I've got enough of everything I need. I'm a very simple man. I drive an 07 VW Passat. I'm a very normal person. I don't need tons of money to, to impress everybody. Do you know what I think about you, Tyson? Like I actually then think not, I, you, you think you're a simple, normal person. I actually think you're one of the most fascinating people, honestly, that I've ever interviewed. I think the way your mind works, I think you're quite a complex thinker. You're a deep thinker. You're highly intelligent. Uh, and yet you do this, you know, incredibly violent sport. But I, I, that's why, in a way, I do believe you, because I do think you've probably calculated. You look at the greats, Muhammad Ali, who go on too long, who do one big fight too many who get battered and then never recover. I can understand it. Yeah. I can understand why you may have, yeah. with your smart mind, calculated sure. it's just not worth it. It's, it's not worth it. You know, I've got family to raise. I've got kids to... I've got four young kids to raise and two bit older ones. Um, I've been away for the last 10 years on the road, all over the world, travelling for boxing. You know, when do I get time to be a father, a husband, a brother, a son? I need this personal time. You know, the fans will always want more. They're always paying for more blood. But at the end of the day, I don't have anything more to give. I've given everything I've got. I've been a professional 14 years and I've been boxing over 20 years. 
I'm all like, every good dog has its day in the sun and my time is to go out on a high. And I always said that I wanted to walk away on top of the sport and do it on my terms. And I didn't want to be the person who said, well, I should have maybe retired two years ago or whatever. I just wanted to walk out on top, go out with a bang, nearly 100,000 at Wembley with a knockout performance. They will not forget the Gypsy King in a hurry. And for sure, and no amount of, of material assets or money will make me come back out of retirement because I'm very happy. I completely, you know what, Tyson? I, um, comple I completely respect you and I get your argument for it. I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, when I did Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump, and I might ask you a question about Donald Trump in a moment because I know you know him. Uh, but when I did it uh, with Donald Trump, Lennox Lewis was in there with me. And Lennox told me when he was the world heavyweight champion, everywhere he used to go, in America in particular, he'd go to a bar or a club and the biggest guy in the bar or in the club would want to come and take him on to prove their point. Do you get that? And he said he used to take them on very quickly. And I said, what happened to them? He went, I was a heavyweight champion of the world. What do you think happened to them? Do you get that when you go into pubs and things? Do people <laughs> say, oh, come on then, Tyson, me and you? You know what, Pierce? Never. I've not got that persona or aura about me where I don't think I'm a tough guy. I don't walk around like the big man. Um, I don't think I've ever been approached in a bar or a pub, coming from a former alcoholic, don't forget, mm. who used to go to a lot of bars and pubs and restaurants. Um, I've never been in a fight outside the ring in my whole life. I've not got that um, persona of like, oh, come and take me on. I'm more like a, a happy-go-lucky type when of you guy. Saw, when you saw the other Tyson... In a bar than have a fight. When, when you saw the other Tyson from your sport, Mike Tyson, having that incident on a plane where some guy was drunk and goading him and eventually Tyson gave him a bit of a slap. What did you make of that? Well, you know, Mike Tyson's a real OG and you can't mess with Mike because he just don't know what he's going to do. But all the people, all the fun police, like you just said before, they'll all be on Mike to get him cancelled as well. Um, but how can you go around prodding a lion with a stick? How long can you prod a guy for before he uh, does something about it? You know, Mike's Mike. Mike don't get the name for the baddest man on the planet for nothing. So he's not the guy you want to prod with a stick on the back of a plane <laughs> until you get chinned. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened to the guy. And then he wants to cry about it. If he's man enough to prod Mike Tyson <laughs> and touch him and call him names and abuse him on a plane, then man up and take a punch in the face. So what? You should be paying Mike. Now you can say you've been punched in the face by a legend <laughs> and a world heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson. Tyson, if you're not going to be boxing... I'd pay well, for that myself. <laughs> if you're not going to be boxing anymore, Tyson, what's, what's your big ambition? What's your big, what's your big aim in life now? My big aim in life now, Pierce, is to get a, a job next to you, interviewing people and, uh, and talking my mind. Get up! And very quickly, I'm told you had a chat with Donald Trump recently where he said to you he is going to run again for president. Is that true? Well, I think he'll be running again for president 100%. Why not? Why not? But he told you that. Last time. He and, told uh, you that? I think he'll get it this... Yep, I think he'll get it this time for sure. 2024, I think Donald Trump will be president of the United States again. Tyson, when you say you think he will, I'm told you know he will because he said that to you. Is that true? I'm not going to go on and say what he did and didn't say in a private conversation. But let me just say, I think he becomes president again in the next election. Tyson, it's been brilliant to talk to you. I've interviewed you many times and I think you've had one of the all-time great careers as a boxer. And this really is the end. I just want to thank you on behalf of all the you know, fans around the world, all the sports lovers, and thank you for everything you've done 
uh, because you've made us all so proud, particularly in this country, proud to be British, and you're just a great champion. So thank you very much for everything you've done. Great to talk to you, champ. Well, that's it from me tonight. Remember, wherever you are, make sure it's uncensored. Good night.